morning. Good morning, everyone. Wow. Welcome to First Alliance. I'm so glad that you guys are here. If you're watching online, I'm glad that you are watching online. Uh, we have been going through 40 days of, of prayer uh, with the Alliance family. And today, I want to talk to you about marginalized people. I did not say uh, margarinalized people. That's when people butter you up. No, I'm talking about marginalized people. Those that, that have lost their voice. And there are, there are many people today, not only in our society, but in, in around the world within the church, and perhaps even you feel like that you've um, been sidelined, that, you're, that you've been ostracized, you've been disregarded. I think all of us at some point in our life has felt like our voice just did not count. You ever felt that? You ever been there? Perhaps you're feeling that way today. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to be uh, speaking or out of Luke chapter 11 if you want to turn there, but if you have a pen and paper or if you have a phone that you can take notes, I'd like you to take, take that out, and, uh, and if you don't, that... I'm just going to assume that you have an amazing mental ability to recall everything. And, and you will be able to take mental notes. So here's what I would like you to do. If you feel like you've been marginalized in your life, your voice isn't being heard. And to be honest, during this pandemic, there's been a lot of people that have felt that way. That, that they feel despair, that there's no hope, that the air, oxygen has been sucked out of the room, that, that there's anxiety and, and depression that's mounting and mounting. But, but I have some good news for you, and it's not ang uh, full of being uh, anxious or uh, having anxiety. I want you to write down, if there's something in your life that you feel like you have been marginalized, that that maybe it's something to do with a job, or maybe it's something to do with family, or, or maybe it's just some spiritual part of your life that you just do not feel like it's where it needs to be. I want you to write that down. Something in you. And then, when you do that, I want you to think about somebody in your life beside you that you know they feel like they've been marginalized, that their voice just doesn't count. All of us have people in our lives like that, don't we? And here's the good thing about it. Scripture talks about how we can encourage the, those that are, are marginalized. And, and, and all is not lost. Just because we're down and out doesn't mean that everything is lost. And it's perspective. It's our perspective on life that changes how we think and feel. It, it's as simple as, as changing our attitude. And you never know. You never know that you can, you can speak a timely word of encouragement and you can inspire somebody and lift their spirits. I know there's a, a story of a bunch of frogs that were hopping along and a couple of them fell in this deep hole. And they kept trying to jump out and jump out and jump out, and, and they couldn't ever reach the top. And all the other frogs around the top were telling them, it's no use, it's too deep, you're done for. 
So one of the frogs just gave up and sat over there. But when all the other frogs were saying, hey, you can't get out, you can't get out, this one frog kept jumping and kept jumping and kept jumping. And finally he got out. And all the other frogs said, didn't you hear us? We were, we were telling you it was impossible. He said, well, you know, I'm a little deaf. I just thought you were encouraging me. There are a lot of ways in life that we can encourage people. Now I'm going to give you a few of mine. When you see something nice, mention it. You ever, you ever walk through the, uh, a parking lot and see somebody pick up some trash or something like that? Point them out. Say, I saw that. It's amazing because I know I've had that happen to me. And, and somebody say, man, I saw what you did. It makes you want to do it again. It's, in, it's incredible. Say something nice about the person that you're introducing. If you're introducing somebody new, just say, hey, this is my friend, and they are really fantastic at this. Or, or acknowledge good suggestions. When somebody has a great suggestion, say, man, that is fantastic. I'm so glad you thought of that. I'm stealing it. Uh, praise people. Praise them in front of a group. When somebody does something good, let everybody know. Let everybody know that they're doing something good. You know, and try not to talk down to people. That's, that's really something that a lot of us, uh, we have to work on. But just being confident and, and being positive and, and be kind to somebody when you see them. When you see somebody's feeling low, just say a kind word. Do a kind gesture. I think one of the things that the women's ministry did here in, in this church that was absolutely amazing. I believe it was this year or last year, they, they sent cards of encouragement to one another. I thought that was absolutely incredible. I used to have a couple people in my life that would just occasionally send me a, a card saying, I'm praying for you, or, or I just uh, thought about you, and here's a $5 Starbucks card. And You know, it's amazing just kind words can transform the way we think. You know, and one of the things that I like to do is I like to thank people. When, when I see somebody that's in the military or I see a police officer or somebody that serves the community, teachers, uh, nurses, doctors, I thank them. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your dedication. And you can do that in, in, in your life. If you, if, you really have, if you have a couple of extra dollars, uh, here's something I like to do is, is if, I'm, if we go out to eat or, or something, if I see a couple of military people over there, I like to buy their lunch and don't tell them. They don't know who did it. And it's really fun to watch the look on their face when they're looking around trying to figure out who paid for their lunch. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, well, and, and if they knew who it was, it would spoil the surprise. So I'm just saying there, there are a lot of different things that we can do to encourage people. And people that are feeling marginalized, the one thing that they really need in their life is to be lifted up, encouraged, emboldened. We need to be able to look at them and say, you count and your life has purpose meaning. I don't believe that there's anybody that's ever been 
created that's ever been born into this world that doesn't have significance. Every single person counts. In, in the text that we're getting ready to read, and, and uh, I'm going to have, have Tom scroll that for me in a minute because I forgot my magic clicker. Isn't that, you know, that's one of the things you can pray for me about. I like being in control with that thing. Uh, Jesus gave us some ways to, to help the marginalized, to help the downtrodden. And in, and in Luke chapter 11, we, we see where Jesus is instructing his disciples. And, and he, starts, he starts by praying, and, and in, in Luke 11, Luke 11, 1, it says the apostles came to him and they heard Jesus praying and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, just his prayers inspired them. Have you ever been around somebody that could pray? I mean, really pray. Not, not with, with uh, beautiful flowery words and poetic words, but I mean, when they started praying, the hair on your arms stood up because you knew they had a direct audience with God. Can you imagine hearing Jesus pray? So here's Jesus, and he's praying, and his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray like that. And Jesus gives them some instruction, and if you really look at the Lord's Prayer, what it really states to us is how to encourage ourselves. Because it talks about lifting up the Lord. And how many times have you been in despair and you've been praying because your, your problems were so big, but as you begin to worship God and you see how great and mighty He really is, as God is exalted, your problems start shrinking. Have you ever noticed that when your problems go up and they're huge, God's pretty small, but the bigger God gets in your life, the smaller your problems get? And the Lord was encouraging his disciples, said, listen, when you're praying, you need to encourage yourself. Worship the Lord. Understand how great your God really is. And he said, you need to, to ask him to forgive you as you forgive everybody else. And make sure that, that you are right with him. I will tell you, there, there is a lot of things that can go wrong in your life. But the one thing that you really want to have right in your life is a right relationship with God. That when you lay your head down at night, you know if the Lord takes you, you're going home. Man, there's something about that. And, and the Lord's Prayer is all about making a right relationship with Him. And there are times in our lives, I don't know why I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say it. Maybe it's for me, I don't know. But there are times in our lives that, that we have to encourage ourselves because there's nobody else around us to encourage us. And in 1 Samuel, the Bible talks about King David. When he had lost everything, he put on a garment of praise. And the Bible says this, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Let me say that again. David encouraged himself in the Lord. David began to remind himself of the God he really serves. David began to recall how God split the Red Sea. David began to, to look and all the things that God had done to give them the land of promise. And, God, and David began to praise the God that, that gave him a lion and a bear 
and a giant. And David began to think, wow, if God could do that for me yesterday, certainly he can do it for me today. Sometimes we have to look in our lives and say, you know, it may not be where we want to be today, but I remember yesterday when I was down and out and God delivered me and God set me free. I remember walking around in that fiery furnace and and the Lord let me out without a blemish or a spot. And if God can do it yesterday, God can do it for me today. Sometimes you just have to encourage yourself. And the best way to encourage yourself is to magnify God. Lift him up. Put him in the position where he needs to be as king of kings and lord of lords. So he, you can encourage yourself. And then, and then after that, after he talks about encouraging yourself, then Jesus gives us this in Luke eleven five, where he talks about others. He said, then, then Jesus said to them, then, after he talked about prayer and encouraging themselves, he said, suppose you have a friend. Now, that's a big supposition. And you go to him at midnight and say, now that's a really good friend, isn't it? Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Now, I have heard that a true friend is somebody you can call anytime and say, I need $500, no questions asked, and if they have it, they'll give it. I wonder how many uh, friends that I really have. I wonder how many people that I'm a friend to under that one. But here's a friend, and he said, suppose you have a friend, and and you go to him and ask him for three loaves of bread, and he says, he asked for three loaves of bread, and he says, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Let's go on. And he said, and suppose the one inside answers, this is the friend he went to, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed and I can't get up and give you anything. See, that what he was referring to is the type of house they had was a one big room. They ate there, they did everything there, and at, and at night they rolled out their cots and they slept in that same room. And what he was saying, if I get up to try to get you anything, I'm going to wake up the whole house. Can't get up, Sorry. He says, and I'll tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, because of your shameless audacity, boldness, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I want to look at this passage of Scripture, and there's a few things I want you to to look at. The very first thing is when Jesus said, suppose you have a friend, and you go. First thing I want you to look at is you have to go. You go to God on behalf of others. Here is a, a guy that has, has a, a friend that is hungry. He has no, no way to, to give him anything. So he goes to another person. And there's going to be times in your life that you have to understand that there's going to be people that come across your path that, that are going to have a need that you have the inability to fulfill. There are people that are going to be in your life, perhaps there's people in your life now, that they have needs, that they have a a circumstance, and they have come to you, and you have 
no power, and no ability to help them whatsoever. And that's when God can really show up. But you can't wring your hands and say, I'm so sorry, I can't help you. Jesus is saying, listen, I've just taught you how to pray. Now I want to help you pray for the marginalized. Go to them, and I want you to be able to come to me when you don't have what it takes to bless them. That person that you wrote down about has that problem. How many times have you gone to the Lord and said, Lord, I don't have the ability, but I know you do. Give me what I need, Lord, to bless the marginalized. He was asking for three loaves of bread. Sometimes we don't have it, but, but we can say, God, here, here's a need. and It's not my need directly, but because it's my brother or my sister in, in the Lord that they have a need. And because they have a need, I have a need. And I'm going to you in prayer. You got to go. Number one, go. Number two, he said, he, he, he said, he was, he, he gave the request, I need three loaves of bread. I wonder why he said three loaves of bread. I, I wonder if that was just sufficient, just the right amount, maybe it was an abundance, I don't know. I think I would have asked for four loaves of bread. But he asked for Three loaves of bread. I don't know why three, but I do know this. His prayer was specific. It was detailed. I need three loaves of bread. Okay? It, it, in prayer. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about prayer for the marginalized. This is something that, that I've had to learn, that I have to always continually learn. And it's something that if you want to be powerful in prayer, you have to learn yourself. Be specific in your prayers. General prayers get general response. Be specific. I need three loaves of bread. Lord, this person needs a job in this field. This person needs a, a place to stay in this city for this amount of money. Start being specific about the need. Talk to God, and you say, well, well, God already knows. It's not about God knowing. It's about us understanding the need we're asking God for. My wife is an amplifier. I'm a condenser. I'll give you an example. I can talk on the phone for 30 minutes. And she'll say, what'd they say? And I said, not much. How are they? Fine. I'm a condenser. I can take a 30-minute conversation and put it in three words. My wife is an amplifier. She can talk on the phone for three minutes. Take three hours to tell me what they said. You know, they said this, and their voice was so distraught. I could feel the tears flowing down their face. I mean, she's really good with empathy. There are times in our prayers that we don't want to be condensers. We want to be amplifiers. We want uh, to articulate the need before God. Because when you begin to articulate the need, here's what happens. The very next thing, 
is, he said, because a friend of mine has come to me. You have to offer a reason for the request. Don't just pray, Lord, they need this, but start talking to God and say, be specific and then say, Lord, here's the reason why I need these three loaves of bread, because I have a friend that is without. And here's what, when you start offering the reason for in prayer, here's what happens to you, not them, but to you. You gain a, an emotional attachment to the problem. You begin to pray with passion. Because when you begin to pray and say, Lord, this, this family needs a healing, and, and the reason why they need a healing is because, because they are hurting deeply. And as you begin to, to recall to God what they're walking through and what they're going through, it will connect with you in, on an emotional level, and you will begin to pray not just with words, not just with your mind, but with your heart. And you'll begin to pray, and, and, as, and as you begin to pray that way, you will shift from praying with your mind to praying with your spirit. See, there's a difference between praying with your mind and praying in the spirit. And, it's, and the difference is involvement, emotional attachment, getting connected with the Spirit of God and getting connected with the people that are hurting and feeling their hurt and feeling their pain. You know, I've said this a thousand times. I'll probably say it another thousand times. When you look at Jesus doing all the miracles and the healings in the Bible, there's always a phrase that comes before it. It says simply this, that Jesus was moved with compassion. He understood the need but that need had gone from his head to his heart, and he was moved on the inside. And when you begin to express to God, they have this need, and this is the reason why I'm asking, this is the reason why they need this, you will connect on an emotional level, and you will usher in the Spirit of God into your prayer, and it will be powerful and effective. So you have to offer why. Here's the, here's the last thing on this is, is simply this. You have to ask with boldness. Audacity. Audacity. Shameless audacity. Boldness is encouraged. That we are to come before the throne of grace. Do you realize that God hears your prayers? You say, well, God doesn't hear my prayer. Yes, he, God hears you. Here's what John 9, 31 says. We know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, God hears him. If you are a child of God and you are praying for somebody else and you are following the, the word of God and you are living your life to, to please the Lord... God hears your prayers. God hears when you speak to him. But God wants us to be more specific in our prayers, but he wants your voice to be heard, and he wants you to understand that you can come boldly before the throne of grace. 
that you can come before him. In fact, he encourages us to come before the throne of grace. And, and, and if you've got to catch the, the imagery, the, the picture of, of coming before the throne of the king of kings. And, and can you imagine walking into, into the White House and, and going into the Oval Office and the president's there and you come in and say, I have a need. Do you think the Secret Service would let you in? I think not. And yet, the Lord says, get this, are you ready? You have access to the throne room of God. You have access to the throne room of God. You have access to the throne room of God. You have access to the throne room of God. You can walk boldly into the place where God himself makes decisions and you can come before him and say, I have a need. And he will not turn you away. Well, who do you think you are that you can do that? I'm his kid. And we're all his children, but I'm his favorite. Boldness. Boldness. You know that you have a relationship with God and he has invited you to pray. And you're praying with passion and you're praying with detail and you're giving everything you have and you can come before him and he will hear your prayers. Let's, let's go on. There's, there's three things I, I want to talk about quickly. And here's, here's the key to this, this whole passage of Scripture. is simply this. It's persistence. Jesus is saying when you're praying and, you, and you're articulating and you're, and you're giving a reason why and you're, and you're connected and you're passionate and you're following and, and you're praying in the Spirit, I want you to understand to never give up to be persistent, to keep on praying. Just because you don't get the answer today doesn't mean you're not going to get the answer tomorrow. And if it takes me a year to, to answer, it takes me a year to answer, but never, ever give up. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Now it's, you know, for Bible memorization, it's the first one we always remember. Pray without ceasing. Don't you love that? Pray continually. Continually pray. Pray all the time. Pray when you're driving down the road. Pray when you're, when you're at the house. Pray. Just pray. Talk to God constantly. That's what he is saying. Always pray and pray always. Ask of God and, and ask of God often and ask of God always continually talk to him about the circumstances and situations not just in your life but in the lives of those around you he goes on to say these this he said ask and you shall receive seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened to you i want to look at these three things asking when you're asking, that's a, it's a passive term. It simply means this. You are asking for things you cannot do on your own. You're relying on God to provide for you. 
It's not, it's not active. You, the action is you're asking, but the receiving is you're passive. You're receiving, you're asking to receive from God something that you can't do on your own. When Peter was in prison, the church began to pray. Church couldn't get him out of prison, but they needed him. So the church began to pray. And as they began to pray, God let him out of prison. Then an angel said, hey, come on over here. So Peter goes to the place where they're all praying, knocks on the door. A little girl opens the door and looks at it and says, uh, they said, it's Peter. So he, she closes the door and goes back and said, who was it? Oh, it's Peter. Let's go back to prayer. God answered their prayer. But they were asking for something they could not receive on their own, could not do on their own. If you can do it on your own, then do it. If you can provide three loaves of bread, then provide the three loaves of bread. But, but there's a lot of things in life that you're going to ask God for that you are unable to, to fulfill. There are a lot, of, a lot of things in life, in fact, most things in life, you cannot provide on your own. But when you pray, amazing things ask, happen. And Jesus said, ask, 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 and it will be given you. So if we're going to ask for things we can't do, we might as well ask for big things. God, I can almost do this one. So why don't you just do that? Why don't we ask for big things, bold things? Because the bigger and the bolder the, the, the request, bigger and bolder God has to be in our minds. Ask. So let me ask you this. Who do you know in your life today? That person. What, what are they facing that is bigger than you? That you have the inability to fulfill that need? What is that need in their life? And are you asking God to fulfill it? Are you being specific? Are you being detailed? Are you coming boldly before the throne of grace and saying, God, this person has a need? I'm going to say this. I don't know who, who this is for. Maybe it's for me. I don't know. But there are some times that, that we can't, that we cannot help people. I've, I've known people that I wanted to help, but they kept on going down the same road, and they found themselves incarcerated, physically incarcerated. And I thought, God, how can they ever recover? I can't reach them, and, and there's no way that I can talk to them. But I continue to pray for them, and I have known people that, that were away from God, that, that were physically incarcerated, and... Because people began to pray, God touched them where they were. Now, and it doesn't have to be in prison. It, it could be anywhere where you don't have the ability to physically go. But I will promise you this, if you begin to pray, it doesn't have to be you that speaks the encouraging word. God can send somebody else to speak life and hope and help in their lives. That one's free. 
He also said, not just ask, but seek. Now, these are things that we can pursue. Matthew 6, we love that passage, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added to you. It's, a, it's an active word that we seek, that we seek God's audience, we seek God's face, we seek his pleasure, we seek his will, we seek his attention, but there is something else that we can do. The Bible says if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then the things that we need will be provided for you. We seek the things of God, listen to this, in all circumstances. So just because there is a circumstance that has is, that is turned your life or somebody else's life upside down, the things that we can do, you may not have the answer for the situation, but you can walk through it with honesty and integrity and, and exalting God and loving your neighbor and walking in righteousness. You can seek the kingdom of God in all circumstances. Seek, and then God's going to add the other. There are things that, that we can do to encourage those that are around us. You can encourage them to stay the course. Just, just keep on going, to keep on trusting the Lord. Keep on committing your life to the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. You can encourage people not just by prayer. Remember Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5 where the prophet said, go to the Jordan River, that muddy old river over there. Go over there and dunk yourself seven times and you'll be cleansed of that leprosy. And his pride almost got him in trouble. And it was his servant, a name we don't even know, that said, Lord, if he would have asked you to do something amazing and mighty, wouldn't you have done it? And all he's asking you to do is go dip yourself seven times. See, a lot of times the solution to our problems is something very simple. But it also requires us to let go of our selfish pride. Naaman almost lost out. Because he was unwilling to do something simple. And yet it was the servant that spoke the kind word, the encouraging word. Do you know when, when we can encourage those that are around us that when they're struggling to stay on the path, stay on the right course, keep pursuing God. And the last one is simply this, knock and the door will be open. We found the door. We know it's the right door. You ever, you ever found the right door, know it's the right door, and you knock on it, and, and the voice from inside says, go away? I, I was a true story. A, a man, that was, he had, he had started a, a Bible college in Minnesota. This is in the 1920s, I believe, or 30s, and they'd outgrown their buildings, and so they were in the Minneapolis area, and they were driving around, and he saw a building that would just be perfect. It would have dormitories. It would have everything for this Bible college. And so he went and he said, man, this is a great building. And he talked to the owner. He said, would you be willing to sell? And would you be able to sell at this price? And he says, the building's not for sale and I will not sell it at that price. 
but he kept knocking on that door. Every week, he would talk to the guy, you're willing to sell? And the guy said, no, I am not willing to sell. But this guy did something that was really amazing. Every day, every single day, he would drive over to the building, get out, and do a prayer walk around the building. Then about a year later, the guy sold him the building for less than what he was asking. God works. What door is in your life? There was a church in San Francisco. I, know, I knew the pastor pretty well. And, and, and there was a, a lot of bars and, and nightclubs and stuff in, in the area. And it was bringing in a, a lot of uh, seedy characters around, around the church. And they decided, you know what? We're not going to go to City Hall to try to protest this. So what they did is they, they got a prayer group together. And every morning after the bars closed at 3 a.m., they would go out, lay hands on those buildings, and, and begin to pray for their, for their community. They began to pray that the Lord would change the direction of their community. And within a few weeks, they started seeing some of those businesses closing up for good. Why? There was a door, and they began to knock on it, and God opened the door. What door is in your life that, that you're knocking on and you're asking God, God, you've got to open this door? Be persistent. If, if God has, has asked you to knock, then keep on knocking. He'll protect your knuckles. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back, if they would. You know what? What if they wouldn't? What if they said no? Uh, would you stand with me? Acts chapter 9 has, has an, amazing, an amazing story. Saul of Tarsus has been going around. He is a Jew of Jews. He hates Christianity. It's a cult to him. It's, it's ruining the Jewish faith. And he's so full of zeal that he is getting them thrown in prison. He's going to the authorities and, and getting permission to throw them into prison. And some of them are losing their lives. And, and then, then Saul, on his way to Damascus, has the encounter with God with a bright light. Hits him and knocks him off of his donkey. And he says, who are you, Lord? Who are you? And, and, and the Lord Jesus says, I am Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. How do you think he felt? Confused? Down? Marginalized? And he's sitting over, the light has blinded his eyes, he's sitting over there and he's praying, realizing that the very thing he was doing was fighting against God. And then God, out of nowhere, speaks to a man named Ananias. Only time in Scripture we hear of him. And the Bible speaks to him in, in, a, in, a, in a vision. And he says, I want you to go over and I want you to pray for Saul of Tarsus. Because I'm going to use him. I want you to pray that, that, that he receives his sight. And I want you to pray that he is baptized, and, and then he, because I have, I have plans for him. And Ananias, in his vision, he said, well, Lord, I can't do that, because I've heard a lot about this guy. 
And if I go over there, it's probably a trick. They're going to get me. But here's the amazing thing. Ananias said, I can't do it. But God, you can. So he goes over. And can you imagine how Ananias is feeling? And he finds Saul of Tarsus. And he says something really amazing. I, and I've only saw this this week for the very first time. When he introduces himself to Saul of Tarsus, he says this, Brother, Brother, our Lord has sent me to pray for you. There's power in that word. When we're praying for one another, we're not just praying for an individual, we're praying for family, we're praying for all of us. I wonder today if if that person that you have written down or you put on your phone or you have locked in your mind, I wonder right now, right where we're at, would you pray for them? Would you ask? Would you seek? Would you knock?